Well, welcome to our summer sermon series, right in the middle of it, uh, Tough and Tender. And we've been following along in the book of 2 Peter. Uh, We just finished up chapter 2. We're going to get into chapter 3 today. And like I said at the beginning of our sermon, I'm going to jump right into the middle section. So we're going to kind of take it a little bit out of order. Uh, But I pray that you're blessed as we get to listen to important truths that Peter wanted Christians 2,000 years ago to apply to their lives. Uh, Just like they did, I pray that you do as well. Which is why I want to start right away in filling in our blanks with our question and takeaway that I I really want you to think about today. What are you living for? Like, what is it on the calendar that you are looking forward to? What is it that you are saving up money to, to spend it on that trip or event? What, what is it in your life, what is it in your family right now that you are living for? And, and I literally want you to think about that So maybe to help you, if you're not sure what it might be, what is it that you're spending your time and your energy and your resources on? Like what's getting your thoughts, what's getting your resources, what's dominating your calendar? Might help you identify what you're living for. If a family member or a friend heard your unconscious thoughts or maybe overheard the conversations at your kitchen table, of the things that are going on in your life or the things that are really important to you and and matter to you, what would they take note of and say, it's definitely what they're living for? What is it that has your heart, that you're passionate about, that you're living for, maybe literally, or looking forward to experiencing it in the days, months, weeks, years ahead? Now, I'm not sure what you wrote down, but I literally want you to have that in mind if you didn't write it down, because here's probably what I would believe to be true about what you thought of or what you wrote down. They're probably not bad things. They're probably good things. Like right now, if I was honest, my wife and I would tell you that what we're living for, what we're looking forward to, what we're saving up money for is my 50th birthday trip that's coming up in a little over a month. Never been to the East Coast, and we're going to Boston and, and Vermont and, and maybe up in, in, in Maine, and we're going to stop at my favorite brewery of all times that I've never seen, and it's going to be really good. And it's going to be really expensive, <laughs> like flying today, traveling today, renting cars today, eating good food today. We're talking about it. We're looking forward to it. We're taking resources instead of decide. It's, it's not a bad thing. And your life might have one of those things in it. Maybe it's a wedding. Maybe it's your, your child getting married, a granddaughter getting married. Maybe it's you're, you're living for that day when you get to cross the finish line of graduation. Maybe it's the relationship you're in and it gets your time and your energy because you pray that this is the one. I want to be really honest and say those things are really good things. They're God things. They're not in themselves bad things. But here's the thing about a lot of good things that we live for. They can become the thing. Like our kids. Like a job. Like that girl or that boy 
like retirement. Like they can be good things, but they can cross the line and become the thing, which is really the issue that Peter saw for those first century Christians. If you've been reading through the book of Second Peter within our series, as you've been coming across the different words we're doing in our tough and tender Bible study, when you get to this section, it's going to identify one of the issues that those Christians 2,000 years ago had, that Christians 2,000 years later still have, that, that you have, and I'm going to be honest with you today, I have, is that sometimes we get consumed by, caught up in, focused on the here and now, and we forget about eternity. Like the things we live for, the things that get our time and our attention, those good things sometimes become the thing and they distract us from the ultimate thing. And that's what I pray you wrestle with today in that question. Has a good thing become a bad thing? What are you living for? Maybe some of you need to wrestle with the question differently that it's not a good thing. Like you're living for the here and the now and it's more like the prodigal son than it is a child of God. What are you living for? And with that question on your mind, I want you to hear where Peter takes those Christians 2,000 years ago who wrestled with that same issue. Most of them not overindulging in the prodigal life. The ones he was writing to were wrestling and struggling with storms, with persecution, with false teachers, as you heard about last week. People who were putting questions in their head about the end of time. And that's really what chapter three is. And Pastor Bill next week is going to help you wrestle with the answer to the question of why hasn't God returned yet? But today, Peter's going to go from that point to the one we want to highlight today to help us understand why it's so important to answer this question right. Well, what are you living for? So let's get after it. Second Peter chapter 3. We're going to start with verse 10. We're going to jump around in this little section, but you're going to see why in just a second. Because here's where Peter goes after answering the question, why hasn't God come back yet? By inspiration, Peter says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The day of the Lord is another day, a term for judgment day. It's an Old Testament term that Peter references. More Old Testament prophets use this as the analogy and picture, the day of the Lord, the ultimate day, the triumphant day, the, the day on which he will come down in all his glory day. Jesus referred to it as the last day. Uh, we sometimes call it judgment day. But Peter, after wrestling with the question and helping them understand what Pastor Bill is going to talk about next week as to why it hasn't happened yet, Peter comes right out, smacks him in the face, really direct, it'll happen. Literally in the, the Greek, as it's recorded by God, the word order matters. He will come the day of the Lord. Make no mistake. Don't be confused. Don't allow those false teachers to convince you otherwise. Don't let doubt sink in. And, and don't allow the live for the here and the now moments to cause you to forget that there's going to be a moment. It will come, Peter said, and it'll come like a thief. I think that's the common reference oftentimes that 
is attached in the Bible to judgment day of the last day. That's why Jesus said, no one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels, only the Father. Like no one has a clue, no one knows when it's going to happen. In fact, the reality is it's going to happen in a way that is unexpected. You're not going to see it coming. It's, it's, gonna, it's, it's not going to take place but when you expect it to, when you're looking for it, when you're uh, sitting there and staring and going, yep, I called it. It'll happen like a thief. And two times in my life, I've experienced how thieves work. Like the night my family came home from seventh grade graduation in St. Paul's in Columbus, we got to our house and the window was smashed, the house was turned upside down, and, and valuable items of my mom and dad were gone. We didn't know they were coming. Or like the week after my, my honeymoon and my car in the morning was gone. And being the great husband I was, I doubted my wife and saying, honey, where's your car? It's outside. Where's your car? It's outside. No, it's gone. It's gone. Like a thief came during the night when I wasn't watching it, when I wasn't expecting it, and, and took it away. I wish they would have kept it, and I didn't have to deal with the issues afterwards. And here's the point. Jesus talked about this a lot during his last week of life. Read through the Gospels is. His Holy Week teachings are a lot about the end of time. He talked about the five wise virgins and the five foolish virgins. Some who were ready and some who weren't. Because some of you out there are living for the here and the now. And I've even heard you say, well, I'll get around to God. Or when it comes to my resources, when I get past this phase or that phase, God will get a little bit more of me than he's getting now. And that's dangerous. Like the slow creep of what you're living for, even for good things, can lead to that thing becoming the thing. And, and I bet you if you let me evaluate your roots and you were honest about them, if you got to evaluate mine, you would see the, the leaky areas and how what I'm living for is taking me off focus. It can become a very dangerous thing that can lead to a bad thing. And Peter wanted to make sure that this fact was very clear. Because if you're living for the here and the now, if, if this life is the be-all and end-all, if, if that's what you're living for, Peter wants to make very clear that you understand this. It will come, and it'll come like a thief. You need to be ready at all times because you don't have a date on the calendar because when it does happen, this is what's going to happen. Look at these two verses that are sandwiched right around another section. 2 Peter chapter 3, first verse 10. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Like the be-all and end-all of this life, all the toys, all the possessions, every last thing, even the beautiful things of nature, the amazing creation that we get to marvel at at times, everything will be laid bare. Everything will disappear with the war. There will be fire that burns it all up. The destruction 
Verse 12b says, the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. Like if this is what you're living for, if it is the greatest thing, if it's the only thing, if it's become the thing, understand that all of these things on that day will, will cease to exist. Like it's nice to have nice things. It's nice to enjoy the things of this world that God created for, for mankind to enjoy. Like read Ecclesiastes, it's not wrong, it's not bad. And I'm maybe convincing myself of that because I'm thinking about that trip again. <laughs> it's okay, Pastor Tim, to spend all that money doing that. And it is, as long as it's not becoming the thing and those other things that are far more important that are all about God, those Jesus roots. Because in that moment, all these things, they don't matter. They're going to be gone. And perhaps even scarier, right in the middle of that verse is the phrase, which makes this tough, everything done in it will be laid bare. Like everything you've done. Everything every person has done. Everything. Like you might be trying to cover up what you're living for that you wrote down. The Lord didn't need you to write it down. He knows it. Which can be terrifying, can't it? Like the day of the Lord, that scene, everything being destroyed, the destruction that will come about brings fear to the, the non-Christian's heart, doesn't it? It's a tough word because it's a terrifying word. Peter doesn't want you and me to be terrified. Like you can evaluate and look at your heart and know sometimes I've lived for the wrong thing. If you're honest and truthful, it'd be really good for you to do that. If there's something right now you're living for that you need to address, come and talk to one of us as pastors. We would love to encourage you in the amazing grace that God has for you and the encouragement God longs for you to hear to go in the other direction. And for the Christian who, who knows Jesus, who understands God, who knows these truths. Peter doesn't want you to be afraid in that day. <laughs> like it's tough to hear those kind of words, which is why also right in the middle of them, it gives us these words. But in keeping with his promise, here's the tender. We are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. I want you to coach, uh, focus in on two words in that. New. Like when I tell you new, what comes to mind? <laughs> Is new ever bad? I don't know. <laughs> but my wife would tell you her new car is way better than my 2001 Chevy truck that's rusting. It's new. Like even, it still smells new. It's only four months old. Like it's, it's that, right? New is better. Like new. When the latest and greatest technology comes out, 
the new iPhone rolls out, you might be the first one in line because you love the new features. New. To a runner, when they've used their shoes up and they've burned out new shoes, good soles, it's so much better. Like, and if you think this world is the be-all and end-all, if you're holding on to it with both hands, I pray that today, maybe just one of your fingers loses a little grip on it because you see there's something better, something new. And you know what's the most amazing thing about the new? It's the place where righteousness literally lives. You know what righteousness is? It's what you and I wouldn't be without God. Like God talks about righteousness being that moral quality, that excellence that's required. You and I wouldn't be righteous if it wasn't for Jesus. He became our sin so that we might become his righteousness. Like his perfect life, his death on the cross, everything he did for every time you live for the wrong thing. He lived for God. He lived for there. That's what all he was about. And you know what you and I get as a result of Jesus? You know what you and I get because of grace? You know what you and I have because of the cross of Jesus Christ? Righteousness. Now, like we are righteous, but we still live in a sinful world, a broken planet. You know what happens to new things? They break. They get replaced. They get old. They, they wear out. They're no longer in style, probably like my clothes. But this place will never get old because this new is all about Jesus and grace and forgiveness and holiness and love. You know why the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians says these three things remain faith, hope, and love? Like when, it, when it's all said and done, when, when we're there, those three things that remain faith, hope, and love are all there because that's where righteousness dwells. It's faith in God by the power of the Holy Spirit that, that brought us there. It's it's the hope that we're experiencing in full, and it's the love of Jesus Christ that made it possible. My friends, that is such a tender, comforting word in a broken world. And I need you to hold on to it when you're struggling with what you're living for. When, when you're thinking about the things here are so much better, how could that be any better? It's new. And the righteousness of God will live there because Jesus lives there. Better is a thousand day, days in your courts than one. Anywhere else. Lord, your place. That's where I want to be. Which gets to the why. Like Peter lays all these things out, the facts of the end. It's going to happen. It's going to eliminate everything. Make sure you're living for the right things because you're not going to see it coming. These things are going to be gone. There, what you will get to experience is so worth living for. The righteousness of God dwells there. Jesus himself dwells there. You will be holy and perfect. No sin will be there. And since all of that is true, Peter says this. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? It's really a rhetorical question. <laughs> but he put it on their heart. Like how you live, what you're living for should be different. You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. 
Live for something different. Live with something different in mind. And it's why I love that we talk so much about the roots. Because all those different roots help you do just that, live godly lives, help you look forward to the day of God, encourage you to, to pray and carry out the things that you can do that, that God has called us to do. When we pray, your kingdom come, sharing God's word, telling others about Jesus, living as God would have us live as lights in a dark world, carries out that mission. Those Jesus roots, my friends, are so vital and important. Gather here so that you can remember what you're living for is gathering there. And it's going to be so much better. Like Jonathan and Jordan sing like angels, but the angels, just wait. Like group right here. Because you know what you get to do in group? You get to encourage one another when our eyes might get off focus, when we might start living and going down the wrong path so that we don't let a good thing become the thing. Because you know what we're going to get to do there? Be in groups, a large group, the group of the family of God. And that group, my friends, is going to be so much better. Like grow right now so you can know the things God longs for you to do, the godly life that he's called you to, the, the place you can find the strength to do it in the Holy Spirit. Because it'll be so worth it because it'll keep your eyes on the day you're looking forward to. Give. Like I just think about resources, time, and energy. Our calendars reveal a lot about what we're living for. The giver gives you a great opportunity to, to apply here what really matters and who we're living for and go. Like sometimes I know it's hard and this is hard, but it's so worth it. Like if this is what's going to happen to this place and you and I know people in this place that we love, the go route is such an important thing to help carry out that day of the Lord. My friends, here's the truth that I want to leave you with, that I want you to hold on to, that I think Peter wants them to remember because it's important to be able to answer the question rightly. What are you living for? Remember this, the day of the Lord is coming. I know it's simple. I know it's sweet. But that's both tough and tender. The tough part, it's all going to be gone. The tough part, like all of what we've done is been will be revealed. But the tender part, Jesus is what God sees. What Jesus did is what has made us righteous. And we'll live in righteousness forever. It's tough and it's tender. It's hard to live godly lives in a godless world. So don't forget the truth. It is coming. Be ready right now. Which leaves me with that takeaway that I want to try and reinforce for you just a little bit of what Peter wanted them to, to maybe walk away with. I have something I think might help you see this. And I heard Pastor Mike did this before. So if you've seen this before, maybe this will help create the perspective you need. Like, the red part is my life. Like, birth death. I'm going to turn 50. I admitted it already. So I'm about two-thirds done. Like, I'm here. Like, let's just be honest. If I get the law of averages, 77, 78, it's not much longer. The red represents my life. 
The white is eternity. You understand the difference between these two. What you're living for, if it's in the red, and it's all about the red, these things have become the thing. You're missing out on the thing and, and all that it has, has to offer where righteousness lives and dwells. Jonathan, I, I need a little help if you can help everyone visualize this. Like, Get the right perspective. Understand the reality. What Peter knew was so important. What he wanted to impress on their hearts was don't live for the here and now. Don't, don't let it consume you. But instead, live for eternity. Like, keep going. Like, keep going. Like, understand the white is eternity. Like, keep going. Like, take it out the door if you need to. Keep going. Like, there's a whole lot of rope. Like, keep going. Like, the, the rope is all bunched up. Like, I don't think eternity has bunches in it, but <laughs> like, keep going. All right, so you can close the door now. Like, we can't see how far it goes. Like, that's good. Right there, just leave it sit. Close the door. Like, Jonathan's gone and eternity's out there. You don't know how long it goes. Like, look at that. That's the here and now. My friends, time is short, Peter said. Like, time here on earth is short. Eternity. Eternity is long. <laughs> if you're filling in the blanks, the takeaway, the answer to the question, what are you living for? What Peter wants you to live for, what God wants you to live for, is to be excited about the new. Like in the here and the now, quality time in your Jesus roots have, have impact on eternity. It'll bless you now to be focused on there because this won't consume you and that'll be where you're headed. It's by the grace of God that that can happen. Like, there are so many good things in this timeline of my life. There are going to be so many better things, new things. This side of heaven. Exactly what the Apostle John knew. Live for eternity. The Apostle John in, in Revelation said this, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Like God allowed him to have a vision of, of that. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. What Peter talked about, John was able to visualize and see. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. God, he will dwell with them. He will, they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He'll wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He was seated on the throne, said, I am making everything new. That's Jesus. <laughs> and he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. My friends, live for eternity. It'll be so much better. And as you do, so many more people will be blessed. While they're living here, because they'll be there by the grace of God. Let's pray about that.
Lord, this tough message. What makes it tough is we love here sometimes too much. Like I love my wife. I love my kids. I love my granddaughter. I love my church. I love good food. I love so many things that are part of this amazing world and blessings from you. Sometimes those good things become the thing. And I forget about the ultimate thing. All the holiness and righteousness, the joy and the, the love and the happiness, the celebration that eternity will be. Because Lord, Peter wanted those, those people he wrote to in us to not be deceived, to know that in the blink of an eye, in a moment, today, tomorrow, 500 years from now, it could happen. So to be ready to not live for the here and now because it'll be gone, but to live for eternity in mind because eternity, Lord, is, is with you. And eternity will go on and on and on in the celebration of grace and the joy of that place. And each and every day with Jesus, that's worth living for. And it's only life that's possible because you live for us. Lord, bless us in this. Strengthen us and allow us to live holy and godly lives as we see that day approaching. Amen.